Welcome to the podcast for Shepherd of the Hills Lutheran Church. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in the western part of the state of North Carolina in the beautiful southern Appalachian Mountains in a small town called Silva. Our podcast includes things such as short Bible studies, sermons, and other things that may be interesting to you. So please tune in and join us at Shepherd of the Hills Lutheran Church in Silva, North Carolina. Today's thoughts come from the book of Romans, um, chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. If you have your scripture handy and would like to read that along with us, that's great. If not, you can just listen. Romans 14, verses 1 through 12. St. Paul writes, Welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything, while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on servants of another? It is before their own Lord that they shall stand or fall, and they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their own words. Those who observe the day, observe it in honor of the Lord. Also, those who eat, eat in honor of the Lord, since they give thanks to God. While those who abstain, abstain in the honor of the Lord and give thanks to God. We do not live to ourselves, and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, so that he might be Lord of both living and the dead. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then... Each of us will be accountable to God. Is Paul really saying it is the strong who eat everything in sight and the vegetarians are weak? Hmm, Let's take a look at this text. What is Paul really trying to say? For a start, it's a good idea to note what Paul is not saying. He is not saying anything about who is and is not loved and saved by God. We Christians always seem to be checking up on who is in and who is out, who's doing the right things to be saved, despite the very definition of the phrase free gift of grace, free. So it might be a good idea to point out here that at the beginning, in fact, that might be the point of it all. So here we get to the fork and knife debate. Reading this scripture all by its lonesome, it sure seems like it says being an omnivore is the strong position to take at the dinner table, and vegetarians are the weaker diner. However, Paul is speaking to the why, and not the what. The food on the plate of the hearers of Paul's letter to the church in Rome was chosen, often, based on what they believed to be necessary for salvation, not personal or even ethical choices, at least not in the ways we would consider it these days. To 
day, we might choose a meat-free meal for all kinds of reasons from health to personal preference and taste to concerns for ethical treatment of livestock and the environment. Those reasons were not on Paul's mind at all. The meat or no meat debate of his day centered around what was needed for salvation. In other words, what was necessary to please God enough to be saved. There were those in the early church who believed, as a Christian, certain behaviors and restrictions absolutely had to be observed, such as, for one example of many, abstaining from eating certain foods. There were also others on the exact opposite side, saying all foods were permissible now thanks to Jesus. Paul's words to them are not basically, kale is bad, cow is good. Instead, it's more along the lines of, rules equaling salvation is bad, freed in Christ is good. Woohoo! Now that is some good news. Put that bacon and mayo and cheese back on the last of the summer tomato sandwiches. Or not. And eat a whole plateful of heirloom cucumbers, squash, corn, and slices of those beautiful tomatoes. It does not matter, because it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles that's the words of Jesus himself in the 15th chapter of Matthew. Thanks for clearing that up, Jesus, because it's ultimately Paul's point here. Both sides of the table condemn the other, and this should not be so. If food were not the point of difference, then which days either side of the table considered holy would be another controversial point to argue over and to use as a reason to judge one side as better than the other. But it is not what's going into the mounds but what's coming out that really matters. Who are you to judge the other side, Paul says, regardless of which side is yours? God is the judge, not any of you. So forks versus knives, it seems to be this is a metaphor. Christians are very divided these days over many things. Political and social differences can make it appear that we worship entirely different deities from the ones across town or in other parts of the country. Would Paul have an opinion on the urgent topics of the day that affect so many of us? You bet he would. He had an opinion on everything. For reference, see everything he ever wrote. Would he still urge all of us on every side of every table to refrain from passing judgment on those on the opposite side? Yes, I believe he would. And I must confess that I find that hard to say, but it is nonetheless still true. The law that we are called to follow is love God and love neighbor. And if we are to believe Jesus' new commandment for us, that includes our enemies too. For Jesus, it is always going to circle back to love. Much as that can be frustrating, it is true all the time. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. But, you may say, if you are in fact like me, there's so much wrong what those other Christians are doing. They're not being loving of us or anyone else for that matter. They are missing what it really means to be a Christian. Well, I hear you. I really do. That's why it's so hard to do this kind of loving across the table business. There is no caveat in the law of love that says you do not have to follow this law if your neighbor is a jerk. 
Seriously, I have searched it out pretty thoroughly in the hopes that there is a way around that. But there's not. There's no footnote, no tome of legal precedence that allows exceptions. Truly, though, there is nothing that says we must agree with, endorse, or adopt our neighbor's behavior in order to love. And there's nothing that prevents us from working diligently in the exact opposite direction perhaps seeking to lessen or altogether change the impact of their words and actions. And there's also nothing about loving neighbors and even enemies that suspends wise assessment of behaviors, and consequences, and actions, as well as the call to strive for justice and peace. And yet still, still, we are called to love. According to Martin Luther in the Small Catechism, we do not tell lies about our neighbors, betray or slander them, or destroy their reputations. Instead, we are to come to their defense, speak well of them, and interpret everything they do in the best possible light. That's a fine way to begin loving our neighbors, even those we see as sitting directly opposite from us. Not an easy way, but a fine way. It does not require defensive opinions we don't agree with, but instead it requires the defense and well-speaking of our fellow human beings, and never forgetting that whatever the differences, they too are a beloved child of God. None of this is easy, especially during such divisive times as these. But turning to a more contemporary prophet, Martin Luther King Jr., Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Christ did not command us to love because it was easy or because he wanted us to be weak. Because God knows the strongest thing in the world is love. Love rolls away stones, gives courage to the fearful. Love is stronger than death itself. And that is the point. In this section of Romans, Paul is illustrating a concrete way to exercise that love and the freedom to do so in Christ. There are always going to be disagreements and differences of opinion and action in the name of faith, some as simple as a tomato sandwich and some as difficult as life and death. There are times when these disagreements will call us to work in opposite directions, and yet still, even there and even then, just as even here and even now, it is love that will always be the most powerful path, and the path to which we are called. Thank you for joining us today. I am Pastor Rosemary Pink. It is a joy to have you listening. Please join us again and have a great day.